Hello and welcome to Baby Talk. This is our show for the races of Saturday, July 31st. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital. Very pleased to be joined by my partner on these broadcasts. He comes to us from Gainsway Farm, who happened to be sponsoring the show as well. We've got a nifty new logo to prove it as well. Sean Tugel, how are things? Doing great, Pete. Uh, getting pretty excited for the uh, Saratoga sale coming up here shortly. We've got uh, 14 yearlings cataloged. Uh, some some great physicals, uh, not only by uh, young sires, but but by the stalwart tappet that we're taking up there. So uh, we're getting pretty pumped to, to be able to put those babies on, on the van, send them up there, and be able to showcase them to uh, all the great buyers that will be at the 100th phase of Tipton Saratoga sale. It's going to be great having so many industry people coming to town. I, you know, I'm not one of these people who minds the early start to Saratoga, but there's something when the calendar turns from July to August and we get all the industry people in for the sales that definitely makes it feel more like Saratoga proper. Look forward to getting to see you and, and so many of your industry colleagues and people who listen to these shows. If you need me, I'm very likely to be down in the paddock bar, uh, probably during the two-year-old races up at the rail, looking at some of these babies, trying to cash a ticket or two. That's what we're going to try to help folks do on today's show. We've got a six-pack of races we're going to be looking at, starting with the maiden special weight action right here at Saratoga. Things kick off early. It's 105 for this two-year-old baby race, five and a half on the dirt with 100,000 in the pot. Where's your eye drawn in here, Sean? I had a little bit of an opinion. Um, you know, I'm looking at uh, at uh, Kelly Breen coming in, putting Jose Ortiz on, uh, moving pictures. That's the four horse. Um, love that he had a, a minute flat gate work here uh, on the 20th, 10 days ago. So I've had plenty of time uh, to recuperate from that breeze, ship up to Saratoga from Monmouth. Uh, Kelly Breen is a is a top notch trainer. Even though he's he's based out of Monmouth, he comes into New York and wins races all the time. Uh, I like the eight to one morning line there, and I love the uh, Jose Ortiz up. Certainly, it's it's difficult to look past the two master game for Todd Pletcher with Irad Ortiz up uh, three hundred thousand dollar Fasi Tipton uh, select yearling last year. Some good gate works here coming into uh, this race, and and the five to two morning line certainly says that that horse is well meant. Uh, but another shipper that's catching my eye a little bit is the uh, 7, HP Moon. Certainly Malibu Moon is plenty capable of producing first out winners. Uh, being out of a distorted humor mare uh, helps things as well. And, and four straight bullet works down there at Delaware uh, for Lacey Gaudet, who uh, is a, certainly a very capable young trainer. You mentioned uh, you mentioned the uh, the ones that I definitely was going to ask you about. If you didn't bring them up, I ended up in my picks listing HP Moon right on top. Delaware shipper. Very solid pedigree. The four bullet workouts definitely leap off the page. And when you look at Lacey Gaudet's stats with uh, two-year-olds on the dirt, uh, sprinting on the dirt, excellent numbers there as well. Just feels like one of these horses you see from time to time up in Saratoga, the the shippers with intent. I did want to ask you a little bit about Master Game. Mastery's off to a little bit of a slow start in terms of horses winning first out of the box. But I went through DRF's formulator now. If people haven't looked at the pedigree tools they have, they have gotten so much better. Everything is a live link now. So you can very easily scroll through and look at every single mastery baby to have run. And after doing that exercise, I don't think they've underperformed. I just don't think they've they've really been the right ones. We we haven't seen any with a $325,000 price tag going out for a powerhouse trainer off to an excellent start 
of the meat like Todd Pletcher as well. So I was definitely thinking of, of keeping Master Game into the mix. And of the ones that run, I did want to ask you if you gave much count to the number one in this spot, Life is Great. I did like the fact that uh, the, the pace that was set by Life is Great on debut faster than average. I thought might go better with that race under his belt. This Tapature Colt, uh, Life is Great, was another I thought was at least worth discussing in the opener at Saratoga on Saturday. Absolutely. I mean, he kind of grabs your eye immediately. He is entered uh, for Friday the 30th uh, at Saratoga, so he may not even show up in this race. Uh, but if you do look at the at the running lines, he, he got loose briefly during the warm-up. That could have uh, cost him that little bit that he needed to win the race. 55 buyer first time out is certainly uh, plenty respectable. Uh, and and Steve C- Bob Caceres is, is a very good trainer. Jose Lascano always wins races at Saratoga. Um, certainly having the race underneath the belt can be uh, can be a a an advantage as we've talked about. And having showed speed in his last race, uh, the rail shouldn't be as big of an issue. Uh, for some other horses since he's already run and he showed speed in his first start. Uh, if he runs here, if the board, uh, gets, gets hot on him, I think certainly it's one to look at. I was just kind of drawn to the other horses, um, both shipping in and then the Todd Pletcher. I, you know, as we've talked about with the freshman sire list, not only is mastery a freshman sire, but the four horse who I think is going to be my top pick for Kelly Breen uh, is by Mohamed. And he's certainly produced uh, plenty of first out winners being a freshman sire and a young, young son of Tappet. We've got some breaking news here. It may be irrelevant depending on what time people listen to the show because the race is at 3.55 today. But with today's sixth race at Saratoga coming off the turf, Life is Great has been left in. And another thing I like about Life is Great more in this race on Friday, as opposed to Saturday, drawn outside, which I do like for a two-year-old with speed, as opposed to being drawn down at the rail, where if you don't break, obviously, it could be a very rough journey from there. So life is great one I'll be taking a look at today. But that race will have probably run by the time most people are listening to this. So you can, you can, uh, you'll, you'll know what happened uh, before it's of any uh, relevance to you. So let's talk about our second baby race at Saratoga on Saturday. We skip ahead to race number six in this spot, and we're going long on the turf. We got the Colts once again, and this is a mile and a 16th on the turf. I'll send it right back to you, Sean, to get your thoughts on this one. Well, certainly uh, our good friend George Weaver comes in with a two-to-one favorite. Uh, that horse is is where where I'm kind of against Todd Pletcher being the favorite uh, in in the first race we talked about. I've, I'm I'm drawn to him here uh, on the rail. We'll get to that one here shortly. But the two to one favorite George Weaver uh, is bred for the grass. Ran ran well first time out, going six furlongs. Gets to go two turns here. Cancel sticks around and and rides. Uh, George Weaver is obviously capable. The one thing that kind of makes me a little little hesitant on on this horse is is. This Colt was 42 to one first time out and is now two to one. Uh, that's that's a big swing uh, in in from first start to, to this coming up against probably a much t- more difficult field. Uh, I'm drawn right to the one horse here. Uh, the horse's name is Sweeping Giant. It's a son of Curlin, uh, $350,000 yearling. But what I like about this is it's out of a multiple grade stakes winner on the turf. Isabella Sings uh, love the love the work pattern here. Uh, July 23rd, working seven furlongs in a minute at 29. Uh, July 16th, another 
turf work, 104 and 4. Uh, but I like this horse versus the Todd Pletcher four horse that's 5 to 2. Uh, if you look, it looks like they probably worked together the last two times out. Um, and, and if you go two back, uh, the, the Royal Spirit, the four horse, uh, was, was outworked, uh, it looks like, uh, by a little bit by, by the one horse. So that horse is sitting at five to two, uh, versus the one horse that s- sits at six to one. I think the pedigree, uh, of the one, uh, suits the turf extremely well versus the, uh, the four horse, the end of mischief out of the Malibu moon, uh, mare. And then the other thing I don't necessarily love about the four and, and the short price is if you kind of go back, uh, after the last two turf works is it gets a little spotty. Uh, you know, when, when Todd Pletcher horses aren't working every seven days, uh, you have to maybe uh, scratch your head a little bit. So the one horse has a real steady work pattern. Love that it has two local turf works, including the seven furlong. Uh, Rosario's pretty solid. Um, that's that's where my eye is going to go. I get it completely. And I agree of the Pletcher sweeping giant, the one I was the more interested in. I was going to make 02035 my top pick, but I did have a question to ask you. I get what you're saying about the going from 40 to 1 to 2 to 1. I was okay with it just because it felt to me like the six furlongs with this pedigree, Union Rags out of a Galileo mare, was always going to be inadequately short. So I felt like anybody looking at that, and I'm sure the word from the barn as well was going to need one, going to need one. But the impressive speed late just made me think that uh, the number seven here, 02035, crying out for the stretch out. Brian Natto did point something out on the other show, though, that I wanted to ask you if bothers you at all. With this pedigree, which I think you could describe as as stylish, um, is it any concern that the horse sold for for 20,000 with this kind of blood? For me as a horse player, once they run and have form in the book, I don't really worry about the sales price anymore. How do you look at that, though, from a breeding industry point of view? Um, well, certainly, um, when, when you look at the price tag, that's indicative of certainly that you see where there's some high price horses in here. This horse came out of a two-year-old in training sale, uh, would have to go back and watch the video. Maybe the horse was on the wrong lead. Maybe the horse, you know, had, had an off day, um, see who consigned it. You know, who, George Weaver has, has good, strong relationships with a lot of consigners there. And, and, and these two-year-olds are followed quite early through the, uh, through the winter by many agents. So maybe that horse just had an off day. Maybe there was an x-ray issue um, that was holding people up. But like, as you say, once they touch the racetrack, you can throw the purchase price out the window. It doesn't mean a whole lot. All right. Good stuff. I'm glad for you to confirm that. I'll, I'll be taking a swing there and definitely backing up with Sweeping Giant. Let's talk about some Woodbine Stakes action, Sean. There's other two-year-old action on the card and a bunch of other maidens. Definitely, if you're if you're somebody who likes Maiden races and two-year-olds. Pay attention to Woodbine on Saturday because there's a lot of action. The two races that we're going to talk about are the pair of stakes starting in race number seven, which goes at 4.12 p.m. Eastern. And this is the My Dear stakes going five and a half furlongs for the two-year-old Phillies. What do you think about this spot? Uh, a lot of sexy pedigrees here, and uh, and I think you know, kind of excited that we're we're getting now into the to the heart of the summertime and getting some stakes races for the two year olds and starting to see where the real cream of the crop is. Uh, both both these stakes races, Woodbine, look very competitive. Uh, I do think the Phillies race looks extremely uh, deep, kind of uh, for for this time of year. The one horse Diabolic is uh, by Dark Angel, who's an exceptionally good sire over in Europe. Uh, comes up from uh, a victory down at Gulfstream Park, um, and and also that's trained by Mark Cassidy. You get Antonio Gallardo, who's a very good rider up there. Um, 
one on the turf first time out. You, I, I think the four horse, the other Mark Cassie, uh, looks like a logical favorite being two to one uh, and a 72 buyer first time out, having already won over the uh, synth- synthetic surface there. But these two also look like they've been workmates and uh, they both had a 46 and two last out work on the 23rd. Um, sometimes you get a little little worried that that if you go too fast that last work, you might take a little bit of starch out of them. Uh, so we'll see how those horses warm up. I think those two certainly, uh, look like they'll be vying for favoritism and both look very difficult, uh, to beat in this race. But also I'm going to give a a big look to the seven horse. Uh, It's a first time starter getting Lasix, uh, Curlin Candy. This horse, this filly is bred to be a superstar up there in Canada out of Karen, who, who earned over $800,000, uh, up in Canada, multiple stakes winner, graded stakes winner. Uh, this horse looks to be working extremely well for Mike, Michael DePaulo, um, and uh, and for him to have the confidence to run this filly first time out in the stakes um, must mean something. And and I wouldn't be surprised if this filly holds together. That you see her in the Woodbine Oaks next year. I like that uh, that shout on Curl and Candy, and that's the kind of horse where, regardless of what happens today, given how ambitious of a spot it is, it might make sense to keep her on side or at least keep a, a stable note for, for when she comes back just to, to remember that that is I was wondering if the pedigree was maybe uh, suggesting longer like what, what you're saying and, and I was gonna look at a different direction today but you're you're, you're convincing me that that might be a, a little t- over simplistic with one who's probably got some talent yeah I'd have to agree I mean look class overcomes a lot and uh, and and both both the Cassie horses have have plenty of class. I mean, like I said, Dark Angel is is one of the best sires they have in, in Europe. Real speed orientated, uh, and out of a, a fox wedge mare. Uh, so this this horse is is through and through speed, uh, which helps from the rail, and certainly it has speed, having gone forty six and change there uh, in its last work. Always give a horse that has has a start underneath the belt uh, the advantage. But the one thing about Curling Candy is is at least as a first time starter, it's not. Uh, down inside horses out towards the outside. So I think that that could also help her um, in this first start. I like Diabolic based on a little bit of a pace angle too, chasing the blue time form US fractions last time out. You got to figure there's going to be a bunch more speed in this spot. Maybe she can get a, a good trip. You mentioned uh, Gallardo, Gallardo and Sean Bridgman, familiar names to USA horse players, both now plying their trade up north of the border in Canada. Let's move on to race number eight, Sean. We've got uh, the other division that for the boys here in the Victoria Stakes, also going five and a half on the synthetic. There's going to be a heavy favorite in this race in one-timer. And while I get it, I was going to try to get a little bit cute maybe and maybe use the the heavy favorite but also try to get wasn't going to play it to just be as simple as the favorite and nobody else i was going to try to tell a story about number eight feel the beat who uh, opened up on the field last time and just barely hung on but i was thinking could get the right kind of trip stalk and pounce maybe today from the outside did show the ability to pass horses on the debut race at Churchill this son of Cupid that was one horse I wanted to ask you about what do you think is going to win the Victoria Stakes well one thing that jumps out to me here Pete is uh you you laid there on on the outside horse uh I do think one timer is is a deserving favorite but uh I can definitely kind of pick this one apart 
and also Mowens, the three horse, uh, what they all have in common is they're by Sons of Tappet. Uh, so you're seeing him become a, a very influential sire of sires. Uh, again, Mohamen, I, I like a Mohamen there at Saratoga. I think the three horse Moens uh, has a big shot here. Uh, what I like uh, about Moens is is that it has a little bit of time off since since he was able to break his maiden there on the 15th of June versus one timer who's kind of coming back in just about 30 days off a big race, uh, having thrown an 80 buyer there. So, um, you know, that that's one thing about one timers. I wonder if, if there was enough spacing in between the race to come back and still run that good of a race because because he's most likely going to have to to run something very similar to that. Certainly, Mowens or Moens, however it's it's pronounced, um, like that it has already two starts, but has not touched the synthetic synthetic surface. Uh, so that is a question mark as well. Um, I gave a little bit of credence there to the two horse concealed carry, uh, son of competitive edge. Barbara Minchel's the owner and trainer here. She's a very talented trainer up in Canada. I like the price at eight to one. And you don't have to question whether or not the horse is going to like the synthetic surface having won there. Um, so for, as far as a local horse and taking the uh, two shippers out of uh, the mix who are going to be the heavy one, two morning line choices. I like the two horse there uh, concealed carry for uh, for Barbara Minchel. I think there's room of, for improvement having run a 55 by her first time out. I can see it taking another step forward, uh, you know, whereas the Moens you've seen with that horse went from a 50 to a 76 buyer. That's already taken that step forward. It's going to have to take another one most likely. Uh, so a lot of times when I look at these baby races, horses that have already run, especially in these stakes races, uh, horses that look like they have that, 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 that improvement, um, is, is something that I think uh, is always to take note. And certainly this horse came back after the race and, and fired 47 and two bullet on the 24th there at Woodbine. So I, I like the two concealed carry at eight to one. Uh, I'm going to take that price and expect the horse to, uh, to make that improvement up to uh, the same numbers that both one timer and Moens are already running. I really like your case on concealed carry and it makes me uh, wish I had included in, in the other picks on the show when Drew Coatney and I were looking at the late pick four. I mean, the key thing for me, as you pointed out, so many of what you might call the condition arrows are pointing in the right direction. That idea of, of condition, judging a horse not against the rest of the field, but against itself and, and, and trying to figure out what's going to happen today. Well, most second time starters, you're going to expect improvement, but between the, between the workouts and the hands that this one is in, I think you can make a terrific case for that horse at, at a very solid price. One other I'll mention that I definitely won't be leaving out of, of verticals and will probably leave in for a penny on top. I really like the way visually that number four, 24 Mamba uh, came rolling home in the last race. Looked like a horse that the extra half a furlong would suit in this spot. And, you know, you can't go wrong with the Kobe Bryant hunch play. No, absolutely. Uh, and, and very capable hands by another uh, top-notch freshman sire in Classic Empire who Mark Cassie trained to be a champion two-year-old. So, uh, And it looks like the horse moved up quite a bit when going onto the synthetic, synthetic surface. So uh, that question mark has also been taken out. So if that horse makes another move forward, uh, gets the extra half furlong, uh, certainly would, th- would think that horse is, is a wise one to use in the verticals. Excellent card to check out at Woodbine on Saturday. Again, lots of uh, baby races and, and maidens, if that's your thing. And if you're listening to the show, I'm going to guess that it is. And I'll also just give a shout. It's not out as of this broadcast, but Ernie Perry, the clocker up there at Woodbine, does an excellent job in his clocker report on the website. Check it out in case he has some 
word on how these horses are looking to his eyes. Check that out over at woodbine.com. And with that, let's head out west, my friend, and we'll go to the first maiden race out at Del Mar. It is for two-year-old fillies in the second race. Uh, The post time is 5.30 Eastern. We're going five flat on the dirt. What do you like in here? Oh, you know, another mastery shows up here uh, in this main special way. We see quite a few freshman sires uh, in in this. I think uh, it it, it looks like it's going to be pretty much strictly between the one Holt Lady for Doug O'Neill, the mastery, uh, coming out of the uh, Timonium two-year-old sale, $135,000 two-year-old there. So must have breezed pretty well. Um, Had the 47-2 gate work, bullet work, 101-10. Um, last time out and gets Abel Cedillo here, but very difficult to look past the six horse Grace Adler. Um, this filly was an absolute stunner uh, at the Phasing Tipton Select Sale last year, $700,000 bred by Blue Heaven Farm. You got Bob Baffert, you get Flavian Pratt. Looks, uh, those works look pretty salty. So uh, we could see we could see an absolute breakout performance by the six horse, possibly uh, just looking at the breeding, the connections, and the and the work pattern. If I had to choose uh, one horse, obviously it's only a six horse field. If I was going to see one that that maybe at a price could come and fill the exacta or or you know um, surprise everyone just based on on some connections and, and some breeding, uh, the four Valentina Gata. Um, not any flashy type of works, but you do have Michael McCarthy, the trainer there, who um, is certainly a very capable trainer out there in uh, in California. But uh, practical jokes, they seem to show up. They seem to win. And the practical joke into mischief uh, over Spitestown mating uh, has been one uh, that has produced some real uh, superstars over the years. Mischievous Alex, Kofefe, you, you go down the line. Uh, that uh, into mischief Spitestown mating is pretty damn good, just like Engage. Uh, multiple graded stakes winners coming from that type of mating. So at 12 to 1, if you're looking for any type of pedigree angle, um, maybe Valentina Gata can get up and uh, make those even money 9 to 5 horses uh, help you pay a little bit more. That's the one I was going to ask you about. I wasn't, and I'm glad you you confirmed that I wasn't just being a Michael McCarthy fanboy. We saw him win a race with an impressive runner yesterday. And yeah, it's just a very interesting pedigree, the practical joke. Uh, Spitestown Cross. You mentioned how productive that's been. Bit of a guess here, but the, the, this is a horse that if t- if she took a whiff of money and or looked particularly good on the track, I, I would upgrade. But certainly for your verticals, feels like one that we should be that we should be throwing in. Don't have any particular inside info, but but certainly a pedigree worth worth calling out for and, a barn that might and be And I need to fact check myself one time for you, Pete. It's not Kofefe. She was not out of the Spice Town Mayor. It was Mia Mischief was, okay. was out of the Spice Town. So very good. We'll make, we'll make sure we got our facts right here. No, I, I should have pointed that I didn't I didn't have I didn't have that piece of info in my head, but as the host, that is my job. So I appreciate you you getting my back and, and keeping us from the, the host slash guest fails here on the show. We've got one more maiden race to talk about. It's also at Del Mar, and it's the very next race. So for pedigree-oriented players, for two-year-old oriented players, you got a nice double connecting races two and three. We've got the Colts going a mile on the turf. 6.02 Eastern is the time on this one. What do you think? Um, I, looking at the at the PPs, um, I, I went with the fresh face there, the one astronomer. Um all the horses that have run so far didn't really get me too tickled. So uh, I thought maybe a fresh face here would, would be the way to go. Four to one morning line uh, gets is, is a nice little price there. Anytime you get Rispoli on the turf, 
Uh, I think that moves you up a little bit. And certainly Simon Callahan's a top trainer out there. Air Force Blue over Shamardal Mare screams turf. Um, so I, I landed on the one horse. I think that that looks like a, a filly that uh, or Colt, I'm sorry, that could show up and put in a nice winning performance there uh, for a first timer. Certainly the, uh, the eight to five, three horse lookout point, having already gone two turns on the turf, has probably a little bit of a fitness advantage over the one proud point of entry, uh, very capable horse of getting winners. I like that uh, went off the two to one favorite last time out, showed up and ran respectable, you know, only beaten two and three quarters lengths, but ran second there in his first start at Santa Anita. Comes back, gets Flavian Pratt, still stays with it. So uh, that's going to be a tough one to beat, having already run once. And then I also think the uh, the eight horse McKinnon, uh, having run twice already, uh, was on the turf last time, ran second, but going short. Uh, American Pharaoh out of a scat daddy mare, now getting two turns, uh, having a really nice uh, work pattern down there at San Luis Rey. I like that there's a little bit of spacing from the 11th of June to uh, to uh, the 30th or 31st of uh, July. So uh, a good, good spacing there since its last race. Already has two runs under the belt and gets to go two turns now. Um, you know, five to one morning line. Uh, you know, if you, if you don't, if you don't believe in the favorite and, uh, you don't want a first timer, then maybe the eight's the way to go. I was going to call out any of those three. If you hadn't mentioned the, all, for all the reasons you already said, I was gonna, I was gonna mention them and, and McKinnon, uh, maybe the most interesting to me, just based on the fact that doesn't isn't that pedigree just supposed to be better going longer? And I love the experience edge and the speed, but th- that race seems you know there's always a danger when you say this, and then a twenty to one shot wins. But it it feels like the winner is supposed to come from those three, eighty five percent of the time, doesn't it? I would say so, and uh, you know even to get, even to kind of give McKinnon even a little bit more more credence. You look at that first start on the uh, on the dirt where he got him going. Uh, the second, third place finisher both came back and won. Uh, McKinnon, who finished fourth there, came back and ran second next time out. I'd have to go back and see what Bet on Mookie's doing now, um, but uh, certainly the the running lines show that you know McKinnon's been in some pretty live races, so. Um, you know, the, the, you might get a really nice price here. You know, they might start betting uh, the the Pratt and Miller connections and the one could take some money. And next thing you know, the eight gets forgotten about a little bit and, and you get uh, get a nice payout. Yeah, I suppose with what that, that comment I made probably will upset fans and, and connections of Il Capitano, who hasn't done anything wrong or ran a solid race um, on on debut running second running third in the race where lookout point was second, but I don't know. I just felt like lookout point was supposed to confirm that form. And uh, I I was going to, I was going to watch one from Il Capitano this time, but certainly a cool pedigree there too, by air force blue out of an exceed and excel mare, getting a very interesting combination of, of English, Irish and Australian blood. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and it just goes to show how international uh, the entire thoroughbred industry has become. It's a good point. It's a good point. All right. We're going to be back sooner than you know, because we've got a load of baby races on Sunday. We'll do a separate show for it. But those are our thoughts on the six races for this show. You got a closing thought, uh, Sean, for folks? I know you're excited about our new logo. Excited about the new logo and uh, and uh, also just real quickly, uh, we all have a good friend, Mike Riccio, who's battling for his life in the ICU. 
uh, has two uh, twins that are four years old. So uh, I know there's a GoFundMe page out there that you can find on Twitter. Everybody in the horse racing industry uh, is, has got him and his family in, in their prayers. And it's going to be a long road to recovery if he makes it. And we're all praying that he does. But uh, his kids are going to need all the benefits in the world to uh, to get their education and and uh, and have a happy life with their mama. So uh, anybody who uh, can help him, uh, the horse racing industry needs uh, needs all the prayers and help for, for our friend Mike Riccio. That's a great point. I'm sure, Sean, you'll send that out on Twitter, the GoFundMe page for that, and I can amplify it. So folks should be able to, to find it that way. Just to remind folks of our Twitters, I'm at Looms Boldly. And you're just, are you just your name or do you have an underscore in the middle? What is yours? Exactly? No, we're just, just at Sean Tugel, plain and simple. At, at Sean Tugel, that's T-U-G-E-L and, and Sean the Irish way. Um, but that's, I'm glad you mentioned that because I did see that, that story and it's, it's scary stuff and we want to help out where we can and in horse racing, whether it's on the gambling side or the industry side, we're a community and when tough times strike, communities stick together. So good on you for mentioning it. Sean, we'll be back, uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Um, going to thank you one more time. We'll thank our other friends over at Gainsway Farm. We'll also thank the, the listeners. We appreciated the, the shout outs and the booms for, for last week. Uh, hopefully we can have similar success with these shows going forward. And we want to hear from you. We want to hear what you think of the shows and other ideas going forward of the, the kind of content you want. A lot of different directions we can take. Uh, this stuff. So holler at us at those Twitter handles or reach out through inthemoneypodcast.com. That's going to do it. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May the hammer drop your way.